Welcome to Canvas, a show all about iPad productivity. My name is Fraser Spears, and as always, I'm joined by Federico Vitici. Hello, Fraser. Hey, how's it going? I'm busy doing, I was just telling you, I'm busy doing taxes, doing, mm -hmm. you know, finance stuff. I'm trying to make it a little more fun by using workflows and new apps, new services, anything to keep my interests <laughs> going. Otherwise, it's very, very much boring. Yep. Death and taxes, that's it. So in the previous episode, Fraser, we talked about workflow. We covered the basics. Mm -hmm. We talked about what workflow is, what it does. And we kind of wanted to lay the groundwork for uh, talking about the features and the key aspects of the app, the more advanced uh, workflows that we can create. And as we were discussing what to cover after the basics, we both felt like it was necessary to talk about variables. And just because variables are key to building workflows there are more mm -hmm. than just basic you know actions such as sending a tweet or showing an alert in the middle of the screen variables are key to putting together more advanced workflows and to do more with the app so why don't we jump right in and let's talk about the concept of a variable in workflow sure yeah, so a variable is essentially, at a high level, a variable is what saves you from having to chain together actions in a way that is completely logical so that one output matches the next input. A variable in programming is kind of like a storage space for data, and that storage space has a name. So what you can do is you can get a piece of data in your workflow, however that comes. It might be that you get a track from the music application, you determine the device's location, you ask the user to type something in like we did last week, or you, you get the current time or the date or something like that. Any piece of data that you get, you can save into a variable using an action called set variable. And when you do that, you give the variable a name and the data that you put in that variable is saved. And then you can go away and do something else in your workflow. And then later on, you can retrieve the contents of that variable by using its name somewhere in another workflow action. Variables are common to almost all kinds of programming systems, but in workflow, they really help you make a workflow that isn't necessarily completely linear from top to bottom. You might do some work, go away and do something else, and then come back and get your variable later on. Yeah, and variables are indicated as these little blue tokens in the app. So they're kind of similar to, if you're familiar with the Finder on macOS, it's kind of of a similar design. It's this little blue token with a name. That's a variable. And they're kind of also similar to the input, which is, a, I guess, a default variable, which is green. But the input only acts as a variable for the previous action. Variables, and specifically named variables, are blue, and you can use them anywhere in a workflow. And also the key to understanding variables is a variable can be anything. It can be a piece of text, it can be an image, it can be a document, it can be a link that goes to a web page. Uh, for example, an entire dictionary of keys and values, one of the more advanced uh, topics that we'll talk about, it can also be a variable, or a variable can also contain multiple items at a time. We're going to talk about this in a minute, but you can put multiple objects, multiple pieces of data in a single variable, and then you can treat it as a list. Um, there's tons of freedom when it comes to variables in workflow, but I guess, Fraser, it's probably best if we start with a quick, ex quick example, maybe. Okay, always good. An idea would be to create a new workflow and, for example, drag in a date action. Um, when, you, when you're dragging the date action, you want to 
leave it set to the default options, then take a set variable action because you want to save the date to a variable and give a name such as now, for example, if you want to save the current date. Then you want to drag in the show notification action and set the title of the notification. So this is the default iOS notification. Uh, use a title such as my first variable. And in the body of the notification action, so you set the title of the notification banner. Now you can set the body text, the text at the you know in the second half of the notification. You can use today is colon space and then tap the variable button in the keyboard. Choose the variable that you created. And you will notice that the blue token of the variable will be placed next to the text in the notification. So the notification text will become today is colon space variable. Now, uh, that's the variable that you're going to use in the text. And because you're placing the variable in a text, in a notification action, it will be automatically converted by workflow to plain text. And also, we're going to talk about data types uh, in this show. Uh, now, you can run the workflow and you will get a notification uh, popping up on the screen saying today is and the current date and time. And basically, what workflow has done here, first, it interpreted the current date and time with the date action. It looks at the system clock, looks at the system calendar, returns the current date and time, and that information is saved as a date and time object, which has very specific features, uh, into a variable. Then you drag in the notification action, which tells the workflow, you gotta show an iOS notification, a local notification. And you have the ability to set a notification title and a notification body text. And in the body text, what happens is you type your own plain text, the today is column uh, part. And then because you drag into that variable and because the notification text workflow knows it's plain text, it knows that it has to convert that variable from a date and time object to a simple line of text. And that's why at the end of the workflow, you end up with this uh, today is plus the date message in the in the notification all done with what is four actions no line of code uh, not a single programming you know uh, requirement on your part it's all done by workflow and it's kind of amazing yeah no it's really cool and and essentially what you're doing is you're substituting it in that situation you're substituting whoever's in the variable for that little place in the text and it's also worth noting if it's not obvious that you, you, the contents of your variable appear where you put the variable in the text. So if you had put the variable at the start and then said variable today is, you would then see, you know, 10th of November 2016, today is, and it would be done in that order. It's, it's not intelligently interpreting the text for you. You've got to place it in the right place as well. And it's important to note that the these variables they exist within the execution of a workflow. Um, variables that you set in a workflow live inside that workflow. They don't, they're not available in other workflows and they are reset at when the workflow stops. It's not a persistent storage space. It's, uh, variables are dynamically generated and they're reset every time a workflow runs. Uh, it's also not possible to set a variable in, say, workflow one and use the same variable in workflow two. Again, this is not a persistent 
uh, storage space shared across workflows. Variables are exclusive to single workflows. This is one of the most confusing aspects for a lot of people because they say, I set a variable in this workflow and it's not available in this other workflow. Well, that's by design. And a key, as you, as you follow this example, you can see that the key idea is to set a variable, to declare the name and the contents of a variable. Um, besides sending data from one action to the set variable action, um, which is super confusing to say, but these are effectively really two actions. Uh, only one is used to set a variable. Um, this action, the set variable action, it can be used to reset a variable of the same name that you assigned previously in a workflow. So let again, as an example, let's say that you have a long workflow and at the beginning you set a variable to the current date. But then towards the, you know, the end of the workflow, you want to say, hey, I have this variable, I want to change its value. There's not an action that is called cha change variable. You can simply reuse the set variable action by adjusting the variable with the same name with a different value. So effectively, set variable, if used multiple times in a workflow, it acts as a reset. It changes the value of the same variable with the same name. And that's something worth keeping in mind because uh, when it comes to more advanced uh, conditional blocks or uh, repeat loops, you can take advantage of the set variable trick, let's say, to change the value, change the contents of a variable to do a bunch of uh, interesting things. Um, you can also, uh, this is it took me a while to understand this concept, Fraser. You can mm -hmm. also add data to a variable. Um, yeah, the, the, the terminology that Workflow uses is very confusing to anybody who's written a computer program before <laughs> anywhere. Um, and I, I had no idea this was even possible because I looked at that and I thought, add data to variable, that doesn't really... That seems like, you know, if you add two to a variable that contains three, you would get five. That's what I thought that meant. Because it's quite unusual in, in programming that you can basically with the add data to variable um, action, you can basically upgrade a variable from a, sing a single variable into an array yes. in place using the same name. And normally you can't do that in most programming uh, systems, and but you can in, in workflow. So that's how you get an array in case people are confused. If you're a programmer and you're looking at that, uh, that's how you get an array is you create a single variable and then you add to it and it sort of automatically or magically turns into an array. Yeah. And if you're not a programmer, think of a variable as a bucket. And when you use the add to variable action, uh, you're simply dropping more things into the same bucket. Uh, and again, a quick example works best. Uh, start with an empty workflow, drag in a text action, and type hello world in the text action. Then use set variable to create a new variable named, I don't know, content. Then what you want to do is take a select photos action. This is an action that pops up a library uh, photo picker that lets you choose an image from your system library. And then choose a photo and then use add to variable after select photos. Use the same content name of the previous variable. Run the workflow. And at this point, the content variable will have two items inside. The hello world uh, text at the beginning and the image that you chose from the select photos action and you can actually preview 
uh, the fact that a variable contains multiple items by using the quick look action at the very end of the workflow. So quick look uh, is very handy when it comes to creating workflows, when it comes to debugging workflows, because it lets you preview anything. And it's based on the quick look preview framework of Apple on iOS. So if you drop that action at the, at the end of this workflow, after the add to variable action has run, you will be presented with this preview and you will see at the top in the title bar that it will tell you how many items are contained in this variable. So you will see the text message first, then if you swipe on screen, you will move to the next item inside the variable, which is the image that you chose. And this is basically the visual representation of an array that Fraser was talking about, uh, and the fact that the variable can contain multiple objects, multiple items, multiple pieces of data at the same time. Yeah, it's a good way to gather up things. So another way of using this might be if you wanted to pick a number of files, uh, you could pick a file and then pick another file and pick another file and you could just add them all to the same variable. And then you you have other programming constructs that we'll talk about in a future show where you can just work over each one of those files and turn and do something with them, which is quite a useful way to work with that as well. Now, there's another thing we wanted to mention, which is how do you get the, the value of a variable back to use later in your program? Now, Federico already mentioned one way, which is that when you're creating or configuring a, a, an action later in your program, what you can do is you can insert inside any field that takes some in, or some configuration from the programmer, you can put in there your variable. So for example, uh, today is now in that example we gave earlier on. That's one, probably the easiest and perhaps the most common way of accessing your variable. But if you have a variable stored that you then want to feed into another action, there's also an action called get variable. And what that does is it reaches into the work, your workflow's variable store, pulls out the variable that you name, and it just passes on as an input into the next action. So a good example would be, let's say you wanted to um, use take that original example with the notification and the date, and every so often you wanted to add something to the date, you would save it into a variable called now, and then maybe in a loop or something you would pull out the now variable, add some number of days or minutes or hours to it, and then save it back into that variable again. So you could do something like get variable, and that passes it on, and then you can put it back in again. Yeah, that's, uh, the, the, you know, that's one of the basic things to consider when dealing with variables too. Uh, I, I see a lot of people that when they're creating the first workflows, they don't understand why they're not getting the data that they expect. And it's usually because they for, they forget to put in a get variable action. They just assume that when they drop in a bunch of actions, each action will do what they think. But actually, mm -hmm. you got to manage these actions. You got to say, okay, this data goes to this action. This other piece of data goes to this other action. So using get variable or using, you know, text actions uh, where you can combine text with variables using the keyboard button. Uh, mm -hmm. That's, you know, the one of the best ways to make sure you're always passing the right input to the next action. Um, yeah, I think I've also seen the other misconception, where, which is that you've always got to use a get variable to ever get anything back out of variable. And that's not true because you have to remember that there's that variable button above the keyboard yeah. that you can use to combine your variable with something else when you're configuring a later action. So there's two ways to get your variable back, not just get variable. 
And yep. sometimes you see people going into real contortions in their programming just to <laughs> just to put in a get variable and then do the action where they could have always you could have just used the variable button yep. and put the variable right into the action directly. I was going to say there's one other thing to talk about with variables, which is um, when you get details of objects. Oh yeah. Let's take let's take an example. Like if you, there are some really useful actions for music in workflow. So, for example, you can ask, you can prompt the user of your workflow to pick a track from your music system. And what you get back from that is very rich and very complex. And, and, and it's sort of the simplicity of the interface and workflow sometimes kind of belies how rich what you're getting back is. And I was doing a, a quick example workflow for somebody. And I realized that you could actually do a lot with music uh, in workflow. But what you get back, when you ask the user to pick a track from the music library, what your workflow gets back is not just the name of the track, or it's not just the music file itself. It's a whole set of different bits of information about that track. And what you, we tend to call these in programming are objects. And each object has multiple fields in it that you can then access. Now, the way that Workflow does this, you'll see this many, many times over when we talk about the different actions that are available. Uh, there's a, uh, there's usually a function called get details of. So when you say get track from music, there's get details of music. And then when you run your workflow, you get to pick, well, do I want to get the title or the artist or any of the metadata fields, or do I want to just get the file itself? And some of these variables actually contain additional details inside that you can work with uh, and really uh, richly extract a lot of information from your systems. The problem is you can only get one thing at a time. Yeah. So you all quite often have to go, get a track, okay, now get the title, put yeah. it in a variable, then get the artist, put it in a variable, then get the, you know, and so on and so on uh, and so on. So if you want five or six things, it can be quite a long and tedious process in workflow. Yeah, I've always, I've often uh, said that the workflow should have some kind of instant variable action that lets you uh, extract multiple values at a time from a variable, but that's not the case yet, so it's best that we don't uh, speculate on features that are not possible. Uh, yeah. If you take a look at the workflows that I create for Mac stories, for Club Mac stories, um, you can see that the usually the longest ones are that long because I have to do these repetitions multiple times of ex extracting details from the same variable. It can be a little time consuming and it can be a little annoying that you need to scroll a workflow uh, because it's uh, you, know, you have all of these get variable, get details, set variable. It can be, you know, it can be annoying, but maybe it'll be better in the future. Uh, Fraser, I wanted to quickly mention how um, the, the, the whole idea of variables is predicated on the concept of the content graph engine, which we talked about, I covered on Mac stories in the past, and it's the key, uh, we also talked about in the first show of this series, it's the key to workflow, the fact that the app can, uh, in an intelligent way, can always make sure that data passes through actions without causing errors. So, for example, if you're searching the iTunes store for a song and then you want to pass that song to a tweet, you will not get an error because an iTunes product can be a tweet if you think about it. Thanks to the Content Graph Engine, Workflow knows, well, the user wants to send a tweet, so maybe I should automatically extract the name of the song and the link to the song. And variables are completely based upon the idea of the Content Graph Engine. You shouldn't have to worry about 
data types, file formats, extensions. Um, that's the old way of doing computing, in a way. Uh, a variable, thanks to the, the underlying engine, is always translated to the correct data type. Uh, if you're dealing with dictionaries, uh, you can pick from a list and then you can pick a value afterwards. If You, you can present a list of App Store apps, App Store search results, as text, and then after you pick one, it'll be an App Store product again with all of the metadata from the App Store inside. So the content, uh, just play, play around a little with variables, play around a, real, a little with actions, uh, and try to take a look at what workflow does behind the scenes because it's super fascinating, but it can also be useful to understand how it works, how the system works, and how you can take advantage, how you can exploit the system uh, to save time. Because one of the common mistakes of people getting started with workflow is to think that they have to convert data types, they have to set names, they have to micromanage a workflow. And it's usually not necessary. You can just let, take, you can just let workflow take care of that on its own for you and you will save a lot of time. Yeah, that's definitely something that I've kind of got myself wrapped in a little bit. I think that may be something that is, affects people who already know how to program before they come to Workflow because they think they've got to do all the same kind of work that they do in previous programming systems that they might have known um, and I've certainly found myself doing way too much work to get the same thing that I could have got with two clicks if I just let Workflow deal with it for me. I uh, was just going to mention that one of my one of the things I kind of observed with my own Workflow programming is that because the way I use variables or the way you can use variables, I find that my programs very much break into three phases. And it's a classic input process and output of, of computer science where... Um, I'll spend a lot of time at the beginning of the of the workflow you know, gathering variables, getting information, setting things up, and then I'll compute with those variables and generate output and then finally store or launch or whatever it is I want to do with the output, save it to a file in Dropbox or whatever. Those are many of the things that I would do with workflow, but it tends to be that kind of model for me anyway. Gather data, process it, and then launch or, or store the output wherever I want it. Yeah, and one final note... Um, when you deal with variables in workflow, um, the app will show you only the variables that are already available to use, which means if you have a long workflow and you have some variables at the end, when you want to you when you want to to get or to use a variable at the top you won't see those last variables because workflow knows these variables are not available yet and if the user tries to call them there will be an error because the variable doesn't exist at this point in the workflow so there's a think of a lifetime to the workflow that goes from top to bottom and the app knows when a variable is available and when it's not and it's something to to keep in mind when debugging a long workflow when you're trying you know to deal with for example 20 variables inside a single workflow uh there's also this uh neat aspect to the app that takes care of that for you yeah Federico, let's take a moment and thank our sponsor for the show. Yes. Uh, it's a sponsor that's close to your heart, I know. Very much. This episode of Canvas is brought to you by Sanebox. Now, talk about email for a second. Email can be a pretty crushing thing. I imagine that every person listening to this show has got something that they don't like about the email they receive or need the features that your email app has or doesn't have, perhaps. Well, 
Sanebox is here to help bridge those gaps and solve those problems because one of the things you can't do with email is just delete everything. All of your email goes to the same place and it all looks the same, but it wouldn't be nice to just clear it all out. But the thing is, you really can't. There's important stuff in there you need to deal with, but it just looks the same as everything else. Wouldn't it be nice if your email could be pre-sorted before it even hits your inbox? Imagine if the only email that lands in your inbox is stuff you actually need to see, and this is what Sanebox does. Sanebox sorts through your email and moves all the trivial stuff into a different folder, so the only messages in your inbox are ones you actually want to see. And the great thing is that it works on top of your current setup with any app. All the Sanebox magic happens before you ever see your email. And aside from removing all the junk you can focus on, so you can focus on messages that matter, there's a great feature called the black hole. You just move an email into that folder and you never hear from the sender again. Sounds like magic. You can set up email reminders so you'll be reminded of a message to follow up on, snooze email as well, so you can deal with it later. Now, Federico, I know you've been using this. Tell me a little bit about it. Oh, man, I, I love Sanebox. Uh, <laughs> I've been using it uh, with my account for, for a few months, and I used it in the past, then I stopped using it, and I was my email was a mess. So earlier this year, I was like, you know, I just need to. I just need to jump back on Sanebox, and I've been religious about it. Uh, I use Sanebox primarily for, I would say, three features, but I have a lot more uh, that I paid for in my account. Um, I use Sane later to kind of separate my inbox in stuff that is important to me from VIP contacts or people that I often talk to to everything else. And everything else can be maybe a pitch from a developer who wants me to review an app or some notification for a service uh, that it's not really uh, urgent. I also use the same news folder to kind of unify all of my newsletters, uh, social updates, communications from web services that I use a lot into a single stream. It's like a Twitter feed inside my email in a way. And so every night when I when I'm kind of sitting and trying to relax, I either use Pocket to catch up on articles or my email client with the same news folder to kind of catch up on my newsletters and, you know, because I subscribe to a bunch of different ones. Uh, I also use the same black hole to <laughs> shoot into <laughs> outer space people I don't want to hear from ever again, and it works amazingly well. Uh, mm -hmm. Some people try to be clever about it because they see that I don't open their messages anymore, so they get in touch with a different email address. Well, sure, I'm going to put you in the same black hole folder <laughs> again. Uh, I also use... Trouble. Yeah, I know. I also use... Uh, forwarding services for Todoist. I'm experimenting with the same no replies folder to see people who haven't replied back to me. Damn those people. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I, if you cannot tell, I really love Sanebox. Uh, and the best part is it's because it's not a proprietary system, because it works at, a, at an account level, you can carry around the Sanebox knowledge and the Sanebox features across any other email client. And this gives me the freedom of moving back and forth between different iOS email apps, such as Airmail or Email by Easily Do, Outlook, Inbox by Google. And if even if I move, I will carry around the Sanebox features and folders with me, which is great because now I can choose the client that I prefer, but I will keep the Sanebox features in the cloud and they will always take care of, the, of my inbox for me. I, I, I really like this service. 
Sounds pretty great. Yeah. So we know that Canvas listeners would love to have a little more email organization in their lives. So there's a great deal on SaneBox for you. Go to sanebox.com slash canvas today and you'll get an extra $20 credit on top of the two-week free trial that's already there. Now, you don't have to enter your credit card information unless you decide to buy, so there's really nothing to lose. So check it out today and get your email finally under control. Again, that's sanebox, S-A-N-E-B-O-X.com slash canvas. Thanks to Sanebox for supporting this show. So after variables, Fraser, let's talk yep. a little about the available actions in workflow. Mm-hmm. There are dozens, probably hundreds, of built-in actions. Uh, you can do lots of things with workflow. Thankfully, these actions are categorized in different sections. Uh, there's the suggested category that gives you the next section that you might want to use. And if you start with an empty workflow, the suggested tab will have a collection of basic actions that you might want to start with. But it's clever in the sense that that suggested area looks at the action that you just used and it will try to change the recommendation based on what you can do next. An example that I always appreciate when I'm dealing with a text action and then I want to run a regular expression on that text, I usually do text, match text, which is the second action that uses a rejects, And then after I use match text in the suggested area, there will be get group from match text because he knows that after a regular expression, I usually want to extract a group from a regular expression, which is great. There's also the recently added category that, as the name implies, it highlights uh, new actions, updated actions. It's also an excellent changelog website at uh, the workflow website. Um, there's this page that lists in detail all of the changes to workflow, which can be useful to uh, to discover new actions. Uh, and finally, you can create favorites. You can star actions and they will appear in the favorites uh, screen. This is great when if you don't want to search for actions, if you don't want to navigate between categories of actions, and you find yourself constantly using some actions, you can press on the star icon on an action, and then you can uh, mark it as a favorite. And another tip, when you're using an action in a workflow, and you don't remember what that action does, you can tap on the icon of an action in the top left and you will get a pop-up with an explanation of what the action does, what it expects as an input and what it produces as an output. This is a great way to kind of have an inline documentation when you're dealing with actions. Yeah, it's really, really helpful to do that. I want to talk about some of the categories, some of the built-in categories that Workflow has. Now, we're not going to read out the name of every single action in Workflow because that would be a three-hour show. But we're going to highlight some of the categories and we're going to pull out some of the particular highlights that are particularly useful in those categories. The first category, which we're actually not going to talk about at all in this show, is apps. But this is where a lot of the kind of integration magic happens. And these are integrations or actions that can make other third-party apps on your system do things. So we're actually probably going to put a whole show together just about our favorite actions for third-party apps, but just be aware that all of those actions appear in the apps section in Workflow. Next one that is dear to my heart is Calendar. And this 
is I think it's one of the simplest date programming systems I've come across in a long time and, and I really, really like it. The calendar section basically supports interaction with the calendar and reminder system in iOS. It lets you do things like uh, search for calendar events, create new calendar events, and so on and so on. But what it also does is it provides actions for doing date and calendrical calculations. And this is always really, really hard. So it's, yes, it's, it's, oh my God. It's, oh, it's like going, <laughs> a, going across time zones or going across midnight or something. It's, it's always or, so terrible. Um, it's always so horrible to do. Never mind leap years or daylight savings time oh changes my, or oh any my. of that jazz. Um or dealing with countries that use a different calendar system yeah. or whatever. Um, you've got two, there's two particular functions that are really useful. One is called the just date. And what it does is it's, you have three basic fields that you can configure. One is add or subtract. One is an amount. And one is seconds, minutes, days, uh, weeks, months, and years. Uh, and you can basically add or subtract any quantity of those units to a date that you've got, which is awesome. And it really works nicely. And it's very, very easy to just say, okay, Here's a date. Now I want to move up an hour. Here's a new date coming out the bottom of that little function, which is great. The other one is really useful is format date. Now you don't always have to use this because of the content graph, but sometimes you want the date in a specific format. So for example, if you are get, getting a date variable that you might want to put into as the due date in an OmniFocus action that you're going to do later on, you're going to want to have that date in a specific format that OmniFocus is going to understand. So you can format the date and it gives you a number of different options, you know, long date, short date, um, ISO format dates and so on and so on. Uh, and that's quite a useful one if you have to be sure that you're getting the date in a specific text format. Yeah, I want to talk about contacts, which is another uh, category mm -hmm. of actions based on the iOS contact framework. Um, the first time you're going to use uh, actions like contacts or calendar, you will get a permission request. This is the iOS default uh, permission dialog. And with contacts, you can get full access to the contacts database. So you can have a, a contact picker, you can perform contact searches, you can launch... Uh, phone calls, you can launch FaceTime calls, but perhaps more interest interestingly, you can combine getting a contact with extracting details of a contact. So you can grab specific fields of any given contact, such as the name or the last name, the nickname, the address, the phone number. I realize that this is a, what we talked about before. This is a common pattern of programming in workflow, which is get the master, the macro variable, if you will, and then extract sub variables, uh, you know, pieces of data cont contained inside. In this case, it might be a contact, but a contact contains a bunch of information. And if you use get details of contact, you can extract all of that and use it in variables, use it in other actions. This is super convenient. And if you if you use actions such as iMessage or third-party messaging services, even such as Telegram, you can use contacts and Workflow's native integration to send messages to, to those people. It's, it's really nice. Uh, the other category would be uh, documents. Documents give you access to the iOS document picker and to iCloud Drive. There's two parts to these actions. First, Workflow creates its own iCloud Drive folder, and you can save files inside iCloud Drive slash workflow. Uh, this can be used for automation. This can be used to store variables 
what we were talking about before, if you have an image that you want to use across a bunch of different workflows, you can sort of use a, a file inside Workflows iCloud Drive folder as a global variable. You can also access files from other services using the iOS document picker. And you can switch locations. You can switch, for example, from iCloud Drive to Dropbox. And you can use the get file and get details of file action um, to do the same thing that you can do with contacts. You can extract information about those files, just the file name, the extension, or the size. And it's, it's one of the most useful actions when it comes to uploading or downloading um, files with Workflow, uh, and especially iCloud Drive because of its privileges on iOS and the way that it can cache offline files, the way that apps can store documents inside of their own document provider. This is very handy. Um, you can also manage archives with Workflow. You can create a zip archive or you can extract a zip archive. Um, and once you combine all of these files actions, whether it's um, parsing a file from Workflow's iCloud Drive folder, creating a zip archive, getting the contents of a zip, zip archive, and then putting the contents in iCloud Drive in another folder or perhaps in a different app, you can do all sorts of powerful finder-like functionalities that were, are not possible in any other iOS app. Another feature that's not available anywhere else would be, this is crazy, Fraser, automation mm -hmm. for your health database. So you can yeah. automate data from the Apple Health app with Workflow. You can find, they're called health samples, so pieces of data from health, such as the number of steps for any given day. And you can also get the details, again, of a health sample. So you can uh, extract details from data captured with the HealthKit framework by other health-related applications on iOS. And you can even use Workflow to log a health sample. And this is crazy because for a long time I was looking back when I was tracking my caffeine intake and eventually I learned not to drink more than four or five espressos a day. But back when I had a problem, and by problem I meant like seven, eight espressos a day, uh, and I wanted to quickly log my caffeine consumption, Workflow was great for that because it let me create my own workflow to enter a milligram quantity of caffeine with a custom automation made specifically for me for my own caffeine intake consumption habits. And it's crazy that you can automate that part of iOS. Well, Workflow lets you do that too. It lets you combine yeah. health with any other actions such as lists or images, whatever. You can go crazy. Yeah, it's it a cool feature. Um, the health app itself is, is kind of a little bit awkward if you want to use that as your as your logging uh, database, if you like, for for bits of information, I I did a workflow not so long ago where I was I was tracking weight over a certain amount of time, and I, I created a, a workflow for the Today widget, which was just called Log Weight, and all it would do is it would ask for ask for me to put in a number for input, and then it would just log it as a health sample um, and put it in the health database. But what it would also do is it would we would do uh, find health samples, get the last weight. 
and then compare it to the one I just put in. And if it went up, it would complain at me. And if it was down, it went down, it would congratulate me. So yeah, oh, that nice. was quite funny. Um, and I, I actually used uh, speak text for that. So the, the workflow would actually talk back to me if it was uh, if I was doing badly. So, yeah, but, but that was quite a cool way to do it because it was a much quicker way than like digging into health, into weight, into add one, and then to focus this field. And then my, because with the Today widget, you can actually, if you ask for number input in the Today widget, a little uh, number keypad comes up right in the in the widget view, so you can just tap it in right there. You didn't even have to open workflow, didn't even have to open the health database. So that was really cool. I'm going to talk a little bit about maps first and then music. And maps is interesting because this is where you can also access the device location, as well as doing things with maps, like searching for local businesses or getting travel time to a certain location or launching navigation. Uh, you can also do things like get the... the uh, current location of the device and then you can get details of locations as well so if you get a location from search or you get a location from a contact or you get a location from the current place you've got that common access pattern again if here's your location object now there's an action called get details of locations and you can do the same thing there so maps is a pretty powerful little part uh, it's very very useful in if you're uh, far from home if you have something that you need, perhaps you need a pharmacy on a regular basis, you might have, you know, find me the nearest pharmacy. There we go. Something like that. If you need the nearest espresso bar, Federico, you might want to have <laughs> one that just does a local search for espresso and that'll be you. Sort yeah. Of yeah. Um, similar things in music. Um, what's The thing I think is notable about the music integration is that if you have downloaded files to your device, you can actually extract the audio files from the music app and do something with them and I, I did this recently i had a workflow where um, i had a playlist of tracks from hamilton that i wanted to put into dropbox to get them somewhere else to do a little project with them and what i was able to do was to first select uh, a playlist and then iterate over every item in the playlist and save it up to dropbox and actually extract the audio file and the audio file ended up in dropbox so you can do things like find music, where you bring up a search panel for music. You can get the current song if music is playing. You can ask users to select music in various ways. Um, and you can also manipulate playlists. So you can get a playlist, like I just mentioned, but you can also create a playlist or add to a playlist. So a very simple one would be add the current song to a playlist. You know, my, my current mixes or whatever. Uh, whatever you're playing at the moment, fire that onto your playlist and you're done. What's also interesting in here is you've got searching the iTunes store and getting details of an iTunes product. So that's that common access pattern again. Get a thing, get details of a thing, but you can do it for the store. So you can do it for almost all the objects. I think perhaps all the objects in the store, music, movies, etc. And uh, you can then work with that as part of your workflow. I'm guessing you probably use that for some of the stuff you do online. Yeah, yeah, I do. I actually, I'm working on a new workflow for affiliate links mm -hmm. uh, and to kind of automate how we insert links for apps in our newsletters and on reviews on Mac stories and because of some future changes coming to workflow which we'll talk about when the when the new version is out but yes it's uh, since the workflow guys did the app store actions it's been super mm -hmm. convenient um, I want to talk about uh, media and in our case photos and video Workflow has excellent support and integration with the iOS system library, with the Photos app, where all of your photos and videos are. You can, of course, find photos, select photos, which we talked about. It will show you a native photo picker. 
And of course, you can also uh, get details of images and videos. These include um, timestamps, size, aspect ratio, anything you can imagine. It'll be included in this get details of images actions. Uh, there are, besides a search, there are also different, let's say, filters to find and to get photos. You can, for example, get the latest screenshots or you can get the latest live photos. You can get the latest burst photos. And usually these actions have a, an, an, an action step inside to specify the quantity of images that you want to return. So if you want to get, for example, the latest five screenshots, you can just hit the plus button and say, I want to get five of those of those images. And once you combine um, these getting photos, getting videos out of the library with the filters available in Workflow, which I guess will be a future episode we're going to mention scripting and filters. Um, you can say, for example, get me my 20 latest images which are not screenshots and which have a specific height of a thousand pixels. You can do that kind of stuff with Workflow. And you can also do image editing. Now, I don't use this a lot. I've used this in the past. There's a built-in image editor in Workflow. I guess it's um, based on Aviary, which is a common uh, image editing tool available to a bunch of different apps. This opens up a full-on interface, like an image editing interface with filters and other common tools. But you can also have more specific actions that don't open the editing UI. You can, for example, combine images together. I use this action a lot. If you take a look at my reviews on Mac Stories, when it comes to iPhone apps, I tend to stack two or three screenshots vertically together with a little with a very narrow separator a white line between them that's all done with workflow i get three images from my library or two images any image actually and then i use the combine action to place them side by side this is a time saver for me it used to be so slow now it's super quick there's a crop action that lets you crop an image programmatically so you can define the posi the crop position of an image if you're a member of our newsletter and if you take a look at the screenshots for iMessage stickers, those screenshots are all cropped with workflow automatically because we define the position on an iMessage screenshot to extract specifically the part where the stickers are displayed. Uh, you can also flip an image if you want to you know, flip vertically or horizontally. You can overlay an image. So if you want to put something on top of something else, in terms of image files, you can do that. You can resize. Again, useful if you take a look at Mac Stories. If you look at the featured uh, tray of articles that we want to highlight, those featured images are smaller ones taken from the article and resized with workflow. And you can also rotate images if you want to change the orientation and you want to do a bunch of other, other editing actions. You can do all that with workflow. It's very, very impressive. That's cool. There's a lot of real power in there if you yeah. if you can sort of think about what it is you want to get done with images. Uh, photos and video is a cool way to get it done. I want to mention briefly the scripting section. Uh, we're going to talk in, in more detail in another program about 
uh, all of what we call the control flow actions in, in workflows, such as looping and conditionals and things like that. But the scripting section is where the variable stuff that we talked about at the start of the show happens. You'll find set variable in there, you'll find get variable in there, and you'll find add to variable in there as well. So the scripting section is worth taking a look at. Um, and you can do other things in there, like make your script pause for a certain amount of time as well. Very important to almost all workflow programming is the idea of sharing your results. And this is all about getting your content out of your workflows and into the world. And the sharing section gives you many different ways to do this. But one of the ones that I use a lot when I'm actually programming with text is I use get clipboard and copy to clipboard. And quite often when you're building a text processing workflow, often you begin and end with those two actions. You begin by taking whatever's on the clipboard and bringing that in as your first input and then finally putting it on the clipboard and sending it back out. I'll give you one example of that. When I do the show notes for, for Canvas, I have a text editor on one side and I've got workflow on the other and I have an, act, uh, an operation where I select and copy the name of an app then I run this workflow and it does get clipboard, searches the app store for that term, lets me pick an answer, uh, it then composes a markdown link to that app and then copies that back to the clipboard and then I just paste it back in over the selection that I had on the other side. And combined with multitasking, that's a very quick way to work to, to finish the notes for the show. You can also do things here like message with email, uh, iMessage, social media, uh, bring up the share sheet, all of those things can be done here as well. Uh, so it's a pretty powerful part to look at as well. And almost finally, but not quite, finally for me here, uh, text is a very important section. Yeah. So whenever you are manipulating text in some way, there are so many things you can do with text in Workflow. Now in this series, last show and this show, we've talked about things like using a regular expression to manipulate text. I use that all the time to format the markers, the time markers for the chapters for this podcast. I do that every week. Uh, Frederico, you mentioned using a regular expression to yeah. parse text and, and manipulate text that way. We've also talked about translating text into foreign languages. That works as well. I say foreign, but it's not foreign to you because we did Italian. <laughs> it was from a foreign <laughs> language in that case. Um, so there's lots and lots of things you can do in there. Probably the most common thing, the one I do the most, is to have a, a text box that has some boilerplate text in it and put variables in there for certain things. So I'll give you an, a, a, try and simplify a complex example, but I have a workflow where if a teacher at school says to me they're going to be, they need to be off a certain day, what I do is I have a workflow that asks me, what's the name of the teacher that's going to be off? What date are they going to be off? And then it takes the date from a variable and the name from a variable, and it substitutes them into a text block, which is a, a pre-composed OmniFocus project template, where it says, uh, set up cover for name on date and it sets all the due dates in the project based on the date that I put into that variable up at the top. So the boilerplate is quite chunky and it reminds me of all the things I have to do whenever a teacher is going to be off. Check that they don't have bus driving duties, check that they don't have playground supervision, lunch supervision, uh, check that they don't have any meetings in the diary that I have to cover as well as just their classes. And then all of that just gets shoved into OmniFocus with all the due dates correct and it'll come back whenever I want. But that's an example of doing just simple substitution, but a very effective solution at the end of the day. You can also in there convert text to and from rich text, markdown, and HTML. So if you have to go between one and the other of those, it's a very powerful way to do that too. 
And I want to conclude, Fraser, by talking about web actions briefly. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a lot of power when it comes to workflow and the web. We'll probably end up doing a dedicated show on workflow and web APIs, which yeah. is a recent addition to workflow, and it's probably the most powerful so far. But there's plenty you can do when it comes to the web, when it comes to Safari and workflow. So besides the action I was talking about, which is called get contents of URL, which can be used with APIs and you know web services. Aside from that, uh, you can use workflow in Safari in a very interesting ways. Obviously, you can run a workflow as an action extension inside Safari. And when you do that, uh, workflow will have access to the contents of a web page. And what that means is you can select text in Safari, for example, on a web page, and Workflow will be able to get that information because action extensions can read the contents of a web page, and specifically, they can also see if something is selected on a web page. This is different when you're using the share button in the copy and paste menu. If you select some text in Safari, and then you run a workflow from the share button in the copy and paste overlay, you will not be able to read the contents of a web page because for some reason, Apple has decided that the web page information, the DOM of a web page, is not available to that specific way of running workflows. You will only get the plain text of a text selection. You will not see the rich, the rich HTML, rich text of a web page. So keep in mind to use workflows from the share icon in the toolbar. And when you do so, you will be able to use get details of web page and you can access all kinds of information, the title of a, of a web page, the link of a web page, the selection, and you can remix that in, in different ways. For example, if you get the rich text of a selection in Safari, you can then use make markdown from rich text to convert that HTML to markdown in plain text and use it in a text editor, for example. Or you can do other stuff that are based on the web, such as you can get a link from Safari and then you can use get article from web page. What this does is it's a built-in action that uses the diffbot service to parse a web page as an article object. And an article object has some properties that you can then extract with the get details of articles, such as what's the name of the author What's the published date? What's the summary of this article? What's the featured image? What's the body text of this article? And this is impressive because you can use it to, for example, if you're a blogger and you want to link to someone, you can use this integration with Safari and these article actions to extract information to prepare a link post. For example, you can say, the this person on this website has written this and you just quoting the selection, for example. There's all kinds of possibilities when it comes to Safari and workflow. And of course, we'll talk about in the future web APIs, web services, and how workflow on iOS can work with any web service, uh, you know, modern web service today. Yeah, that's pretty powerful stuff, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I'm going crazy with it. <laughs> <laughs> so I think what we've done there is we, we've taken a tour through uh, most of the kind of built-in stuff and you'll see, you'll notice a pattern as we go through this, which is that anywhere that iOS has a kind of centralized database, Workflow has actions to manipulate it. 
Uh, and that includes things like the photos library, uh, includes the music library, the maps system, the health database, uh, iCloud Drive, your contacts database, your calendar database, all of those sort of central databases in iOS. Workflow has interactions that let you go in there, get stuff, bring stuff out and use it in your workflows. And it's really, really powerful. In future shows, we're going to talk more about the third party applications and we're going to talk more about, we are going to talk about the um, the API integration that you can do with other third party web services and some of the other web stuff that we just mentioned briefly there. And we're also looking at doing another show about advanced workflow programming. So using some of the more advanced flow control features such as conditional statements uh, and looking a bit more at debugging as well. So we'll put those in a, an order that we think is useful and we're going to hit you with some more workflow knowledge over the coming weeks as well. This is Canvas episode 23. You can find the show notes for this show at relay.fm slash canvas slash 23. You can connect with us on Twitter. Uh, the show is at underscore canvas FM. I'm Fraser Spears on Twitter. Federico is Vitici. Thank you to Sanebox for supporting this show, and we'll talk to you all next time.